All right, ladies and gentlemen. Banks. I mean, these are kook, the, cult, um, demons, hardcore evil. I mean, these people are flaming scum, and, uh, wild, crazy, dangerous people, just I like the Nazis, the uh, Soviets, all of them. Pol Pot killing 31% of Cambodia, murdering anybody that can read or write or wear glasses. I was really hoping you would say, well, that's fucking ridiculous. Get the fuck out of here. Um, and then I could tell on the next podcast that I proposed something so ridiculous to pass that he refused. But, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here is pass. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever you choose to tune into this, I hate to break the host's heart here <laughs> and potentially some of yours, but I don't believe in topics that are too outlandish to at least entertain once. <laughs> All right, uh, so we are here to talk about um, Jewish space lasers, um, moon Nazis, as well as um, Pol Nazis. And I don't mean Pol Nazis as in Nazis that live in the country next to Germany. I mean the kinds that live on the South and North Poles. Um, because uh, wasn't it like the new, like the, the fairly newly elected Republican Congresswoman that had some shtick about uh, the Jews setting California alight with space lasers or something? Well, we should be very specific, should we not? Lest we run afoul of various censors and social movements. Yeah, that's a good you point. Are referring to Marjorie Green, the congresswoman here in the U.S. from the great state of Georgia, and her QAnon <laughs> proclivities, which have extended to one of their favorite memes about the Rothschild banking family having control over various orbital weapons, one of which QAnon alleges has been used to start the rapacious wildfires in California that they might clear space for a high-speed rail system. <laughs> oh, wow, that's even more entertaining than I thought. <laughs> I thought it was just because they're, like, evil bastards. Um... <laughs> well, I think you can make a very good case that that family specifically is full of evil bastards, Considering oh, they've made the world's greatest fortune, war profiteering. But... I mean, anyone who's like absurdly rich, to be honest, I uh, suspect of uh, being very evil in some way or another. Um, I'm not a fucking Ancom that think uh, you shouldn't be allowed to have more than fucking five dollars in your checking account, but... I mean, at some point, you don't get this rich without um, working with the government in some morally questionable ways. I agree. You know, and I think really the measure of whether or not wealth is gained um, ethically is really just about how you got it. You know, mm. going back to the Rothschilds, they did it by creating national banks and central banks. And then by using those banks to sell arms to both sides of various conflicts. You know, it's hard not to say that their wealth was built on anything other than the backs of the deaths of the working class. That's a fair point. Although I feel like 
selling weapons to both sides of uh, a war is a, a very ANCAP move. Oh, it absolutely is. You know, that's totally something that your generic Monopoly man ANCAP would look at and say, <laughs> hey, I didn't shoot anyone. I'm just making a buck filling market demands. <laughs> right. You know, at which point <laughs> ethics really do need to be considered. It's good to make money. It's bad to do it in such a way that's directly getting people killed, at least in my opinion. You know, call me a communist <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> God damn it, Pat. Quit being such a fucking pussy about morals and human lives. And, you know, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Or in this case, a high-speed rail system. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So um, let's start with uh, how realistic is it to uh, build a space laser to set a forest alight? Just not even uh, to clear any ground or to do it in a in a precise manner, but just to you know, laser the earth and set forests aflame. Do you have any idea how the uh, how how possible that is? Well, we know that in the first place, it is quite difficult to launch satellites. You know, it's an expensive and time-consuming endeavor. That's the right. reason that every, you know, sufficiently advanced nation in the world has entire specific bureaucracies set up to manage it. Mm -hmm. I would also say that whether or not such a technology could hypothetically exist, I mean, we know that laser technology exists. We know that it has a fairly great range. You know, if you look at various prototypes, the U.S. military has admitted to having things like the Iron Dome system over Israel and all of these other things. We know that there is some range on it. Whether or not you could then hypothetically set this type of laser on a satellite, give it a sufficient power source to then fire back onto the Earth, is a little bit beyond my expertise. All right. I, I'm just going to... I would say yeah. that uh, hypothetically, it seems to me like it could be plausible, but it would take quite a bit of a team to operate, money to launch, and then dedication to use. I'm going to play Snopes here and uh, give this a very unlikely rating. Um, although... I mean, if we're talking time and money, the Rothschilds have plenty of that. So, I mean, it's not for lack of means uh, that we would or would not see this happening. Absolutely. Uh, I think we're more likely to see this sort of technology from a state-based actor and see it within, you know, even the next couple of decades. But to think that it's already in operation at the hands of a non-state actor, I think is highly unlikely. That said, yeah. we know that the U.S. has been experimenting with space-based weapons for at least two decades now. So, you know, it's not like people aren't trying to do this exact thing. And in fact, we already have a space force with part of their explicit mis mission statement <laughs> being uh, satellites. You know, satellites were very specifically mentioned in their founding whether that means deploying gun astronauts to shoot them down or using missiles, you know, who knows in that regard. But 
Right. So here's my thinking. If I were the United States or the Rothschilds, either really, um, and I did have such a space laser uh, in my possession, it seems unlikely that my first use of the space laser would be to clear ground in California for a high-speed rail. It seems a bit trivial, you know? Uh, Absolutely. Probably, yeah. Yeah, there's a know. million more productive things they could be doing with that, including yeah. starting actual wars with false flag attacks. You know, and I yeah, say exactly. that because I want to use that as a transition to a very similar thing about space-based weapons. All right. You know, there was in the U.S., I just kind of referenced this already, something called Project Thor, where they were yeah. trying to experiment with satellite-based kinetic bombardment, basically dropping tungsten telephone poles on targets to create non-radioactive nuclear-sized blasts. All right. And when you take into account the strange earthquakes in Iran over the past few years yeah. that just seem to always happenstantially be centered directly on their nuclear facilities, I think you could make a case that perhaps, perhaps they did not actually abandon that project as they claimed. Well, I mean... If the government claims they've abandoned the project, I'm immediately skeptical. Um, but I suppose it goes for pretty much anything the government does. So, I mean, that doesn't mean very much. But uh, that reminds me, wasn't the uh, that giant explosion in the harbor, wasn't that also in Iran? Uh, no, that was Jordan... Um, perhaps it was Lebanon. It was one of the coastal countries uh, there. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. What the fuck was I thinking? Iran yeah, doesn't that, have a seaport. That was uh, Lebanon. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Man, holy shit. So is there... I feel like that's of too great a size uh, to be a space weapon. It's like, you know, if, uh, man, how does, so, I mean, space weapons are still uh, very much in development, right? I mean, I don't think, it seems unlikely to me that space weapons are already powerful enough to cause this kind of uh, a blast. Well, what it comes down to, specifically with those kinetic weapons, uh, it's about, the amount of speed and mass, you know, it's about the mm. transfer of kinetic energy. And if you drop something that's that big and that dense all the way through the atmosphere to the point where it can reach terminal velocity, you're going to have a huge amount of energy transfer that the ground being less dense is going to have to take all the energy from, you know, and that's, I keep using the word kinetic because that's what it is. It's literal, uh, just kinetic energy science. Right. So it's, it's totally viable. Allegedly they abandoned the project due to costs, not infeasibility or anything else. Mm. Well, I mean, they could just move it to 
or or make it one of their uh, fucking black book or black budget projects. Absolutely. The CIA alone has billions, if not trillions of dollars of cocaine money. I'm absolutely <laughs> certain yeah. that the Defense Department, the military proper, also has this. Especially when you get into how much opium smuggling they've done in Afghanistan. Yeah, I was about to places. say. I think in the case of the Defense Department, it's heroin money uh, and not coke money. I agree. <laughs> um, so... Um, let's see, how am I going to link this to moon Nazis? Do you think the um, giant Jewish space lasers of death uh, could be used to fight any potential moon Nazis who have built their base uh, on the dark side of the moon? I think that there are probably way better ways to fight them than trying to use a space-based laser against them. Though, to get into the moon Nazis a little bit, I'm not sure just how unlikely the possibility is. You know, we know that through Project Paperclip, or Operation Paperclip, rather, the U.S. Mm -hmm. recruited primarily Nazi rocket science, rocket yeah, that's the word I said, rocket scientists, to create the beginning of NASA. You know, that was the nucleus of yeah. what would become the U.S. rocket program. That's common knowledge at this point. Yeah. So who's to say what type of intentions they were harboring, how many rocket launches really were kept off books, or what they were able to take up there? You know, our President Nixon was able to call the moon. So they obviously have, yeah. are willing to take a communication apparatus up with them. You know, they are willing to do all sorts of science experiments up there. And we know that they've left at least one capsule behind, right? Hmm, yeah. So, you know, it would be mighty hard, probably, to smuggle building supplies up there. But if there's anyone who had the willpower, it is probably the Nazis, considering how thoroughly deranged they all were and the amount of ideological dedication it takes to belong to them in the first place. That is a very good point. Um, I would still consider uh, the whole moon base highly unlikely, mostly considering uh, how little time the Nazis had. Um, and by the time they would have been evolved far enough into their rocket programs and such, I think they would have just not had the money, um, for a, a project, uh, of that size. Because, sure, but it didn't necessarily yeah. have to be Nazi Germany doing it though. Did oh it? no, of course. You know, they had, uh, 20, 30 years once they all came to the U.S. on work visas. And that's a lot more time and a lot more mm. resources. And that's a good point. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go next. Because, uh, I mean, if you start working for NASA, you essentially have a, a blank check. Like, you know, there's no limitation as to your budget um, well, for you how know, much you can spend. The people at NASA these days 
whine all the time about not getting enough money appropriated in front of Congress. But at the time they would have been doing this, they basically had a blank check so long as they could do something to show we were rubbing it in the Russians' face. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I have yet to see a government agency that isn't bitching in Congress that they're not getting paid enough. So, you know, we'll see what that's worth. Um, but uh, I think... Uh, well, I mean, at the very least, it would be very interesting to see uh, the next war being waged on the moon uh, instead of in Iran. Yeah, you know, if nothing else, I just want it for the aesthetics. I'm ready for Space Force to make right. all of Heinlein's dreams come true. <laughs> it would be... I, I would appreciate it very much because I think, um, you know fighting illiterate goat farmers in the desert it's you know that's so 2008 uh it's been done like we we know this now um now yeah, we have literally to fight. everyone has had their shot at it it's time for a just <laughs> yes. war again and if that's <laughs> yes. finally exterminating national socialism on the moon please please let us make it happen hell yes Someone fucking at Elon Musk about this. Um, well, maybe don't at him specifically if you look at his family history, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a good point. Um, if we're talking about space anyway, um, of a, on a scale of 1 to 10, how shady is Elon Musk really? That's a really difficult question to answer. And it's something I oscillate with on, you know, even in my own head quite a bit. Um, some things like the Neuralink, I think, are exceptionally sketchy. Hmm. But other things like SpaceX in particular, I think he's making great strides on behalf of humanity. So I think probably more likely than anything, he's sort of a values neutral, just force for progress more than he is for good or evil. You know, this is a dude who's using his substantial wealth, both the personal wealth he has accumulated, and let's not forget his family money, to do a lot of things that are pushing the edges that ossified bureaucracy just can't. So, you know, you kind of have to look at him with your own values and decide, hey, do you think this is good? Do you think this is bad? What's this going to contribute? Because he's already made up his mind. He's going to do this stuff regardless. So it's oh, yeah. going to end up in our hands, the consumer, whether we want to endorse that with stock purchases, with product use once it finally becomes mainstream. You know, the ball is kind of in our court, but he is public-facing enough that I don't believe he's one of the true nefarious elite or anything. I think he's just a man with a lot of money doing things that he thinks are for the good. And, you know, hmm. by and large, they have been so far. All right. That's a, a take and can get behind. And I just finally remembered uh, that I actually was going somewhere with this whole moon Nazi thing. Because um, I wonder where the Nazis went. And that might sound very silly because they're still, or again, however you want to frame it. Um, national socialists walking around every here and 
here and there, but they're not, um, you know, that that Hugo Boss uniform wearing, uh, 1940s goose stepping Nazis that we know from then. So where did these actual Nazis go? A bunch of them went to NASA, um, and then uh, it is rumored that a bunch of them fled to Brazil. Uh, do we have any real info on that? How many of them went to Brazil? I'm not sure you could come up with a number because it's really hard to get that sort of information. But suffice to say, they are there were, you know, newly formed German enclaves all over South America. You know, Brazil, Argentina, some in Colombia, some made it to Chile, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that didn't happen. And we even do know it happened because that's where the Israeli Nazi hunters pulled so many people out of in the first place. Right. Oh, damn. That's right. I completely forgot about those guys. So we know for a fact that a good healthy number of them and their families were able to evacuate to South America. And we also know that as far back as the thirties, the Nazis were also launching projects and expeditions to Antarctica. Okay. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, that is also the closest continent to Antarctica, especially if you're in places like Chile, where it's the southern portion of South America. Do you see where I might be going with this? Yeah, I see where you might be going with this, I think. Go on. So... You take your U-boat from Germany to Brazil. You then take a train or whatever down to the southern tip of South America. And then you get on another U-boat, which is right there waiting for you. And you evacuate to what would have previously been a science base somewhere in Antarctica. Right. And just so happens you already have all the generators and housing you need there. You just need yep. to keep expanding it. <laughs> yeah, so they went to NASA and they went to the supposed science base on Antarctica. That makes a lot of sense. And it is significantly more logistically feasible than going to the moon. It certainly is. Um, I, yeah, I would not be surprised by that at all. Um, so... What is the current status of Antarctica? Because I know, I at least I believe that um, most of the world's superpowers agreed that um, the poles would be essentially neutral terrain. But it might be that either America or Russia or both didn't actually sign those agreements. So, as of its current state, Yes, Antarctica is under a treaty that says anyone can go there for scientific purposes. No one gets to claim it. No fighting over it. Play nice with each other down there. Many nations have scientific teams and installations working on various projects there. And, you know, it is also not uncommon for dignitaries and diplomats to spend tours down there such as the U.S.'s John Kerry did at the end of Obama's second term, huh. as well as the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church, 
as well as several retired U.S. astronauts, which is, seem like odd candidates for people to go down there on diplomatic missions. Yeah, quite. You know, you never know. Why? Why were they down there? Yeah, well, I mean, you could make the argument that there's a bunch of uh, big name international researchers there. Um, whom it is good to, I don't know, have relations with. Or maybe it's kind of, uh, I suppose, here's what I, I'm just thinking. Maybe it could be, like, you're saying you're going on a diploma, diplomatic mission, but you're more um, headhunting. So you're uh, essentially trying to poach scientists from the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, or it really could be valid diplomatic relations with a Nazi remnant that the continent has been shrouded with in secrecy so they don't have to admit exists. And I bring this up because there was also an interesting military exercise in U.S. history called Operation High Jump, in huh. which an Admiral Byrd took an entire flotilla of warships and planes down to Antarctica in the late 40s after the war had concluded, ostensibly so that they could practice fighting in Arctic conditions. Well, this flotilla came back missing a number of planes, people, and I believe even a ship. What the fuck? So, yeah, right. Just what did they run into down there at the Antarctic that they had to end the operation and come home early? Are there... Um, shift a little bit. Are there any uh, known cryptids around Antarctica? Not that I've ever heard of, but I'm sure you could find an old sailor's tale about, you know, sea creatures or sea monsters in the waters around the tip of South America, and as you head down that way. But I haven't heard of any specifically, no. Let's see. we got something here. A Ningen is a cryptid that is located in the oceans of Antarctica and Southern Asia. It has several appearances and is at least 20 to 30 meters long. So that would be uh, between 60 and 90 feet, roughly, I think. Um, it has many appearances and has pale white skin. Uh, multiple appearances, including above water and underwater appearances. Uh, Ningen has been described as being humongous. A uh, blubbery whale-like creature who's smooth, pale from vaguely, wait, what? Pale, vaguely, vaguely resembles the head, torso, and appendages of a human being. Okay, I'll send you this link in the uh, in the chat. It looks. I mean, I don't know. Uh, how real or not these photos are, but it looks familiar or it looks a bit like uh, a beluga whale, I think. Let me see, did I get that right? I have never heard of this thing. That is wild. Yeah, it looks a little bit like uh, 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 a bit of a human-looking uh, beluga whale. You know what it actually reminds me of is those SCP stories of the Lake yeah. Vladivostok 
experiments or whatever. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a fandom, so um, it it's quite possible that it's entirely... Um, well, something looking fictional. like that, I don't think could probably take on a U.S. Navy flotilla, but I suppose. Why not? That's the sort of stuff I'm here to talk about, right? Right. Well, it seems a bit... I mean, if they lo- like lost just a few men... That would make sense to me, but a whole ship and several airplanes, that seems a bit, uh, I don't know, I, I think you need a bit more powerful of a cryptid for something like that. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, like maybe a giant squid or something? Yeah, yeah, supposedly. But I think uh, I would still prefer to... Uh... To go with... Uh... The Nazi remnants and their UFOs. (laughs) So, I mean, what would the the point be of allowing these Nazis to be? Uh, Why not just shoot them all, be rid of them, and, uh, you know, don't have to... Now you don't have to share your, uh, your, your... pull base for secret experiments with um, some shady Germans anymore. Well, the problem is, if they beat you back once, and defiantly enough that you had to turn tail and run, the implication would seem to be, if you listen to these conspiracies, and listeners, what you'll want to look up if you want to hear these stories is Operation High Jump and the Secret Space Program. Obviously, they had the technology to keep doing it, hidden away there in their base. You know, they cannot, we cannot, rather, displace them effectively enough without revealing their existence. It would have to be a war fought in the shadows, and thus with sufficiently limited resources that it would not draw public watchdog attention. Yeah, that makes some sense. That is the justification among conspiracy theorists, that is. Mm-hmm. All right, so that, so would... that much the better yeah. to just tolerate them, you know, let them have their little island as long as we can pretend we're down there too, just doing science. Yeah, that makes some sense. Um, yeah, so the way I originally interpreted your story is that they just kind of uh, lost those airplanes and and ship not so much to fighting, but just that they uh, purposefully left them there. Oh um, no, 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 no! The uh, implication is that the Nazi remnant, upon being discovered down there, shot them down, forced the U.S. flotilla to turn back, and they simply reported them as lost in the training exercises. Yeah. That would make some more sense. Um, Again, you know, all of this premised on being willing to indulge this idea in the first place. Let's be clear oh yeah, about that. Absolutely. Um, allow me to shoot some holes in it, though, because, I mean, for they would have to have set up a fairly significant defense. So, I mean, this must have been a plan. That, well... I mean, you did go into that, that they were already there in the 30s, so I suppose it makes sense. Because, I mean, you'd have to mount uh, some some pretty serious firearms and ammunition there 
to hold off uh, an army like that with some uh, with with some amount of success. Um, it's mostly the South Pole, though. I, there's no reason to suspect that they're also on the North Pole. That is correct. Yeah, the North Pole, mm. as far as anyone knows or claims, is in fact truly empty and held as neutrally as can be. Interesting. I wonder. Um, isn't there? Uh, I don't know if this counts for both or only one, but I'm pretty sure Shell uh, is pretty interested in either or both of the poles uh, for the oil that's supposedly under them. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure there's very complex diplomatic treaties governing just where you can try and use those resources or where you can attempt to exploit them. You know, I know there's at least some Russian companies exploring for oil up there. I know there's Mm. at least one U.S. company. So there's definitely rules about it, but no one, I think, believe has a sovereign claim over the entire North Pole. You know, just whichever edges of it are closest to you. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, hmm. Alright, so... Uh, why... Alright, so here's the next question. Why would a group of Nazis go to Antarctica where it's absolutely cold and miserable and not just move into I don't know some new enclave in the Brazilian jungle is the idea that they would be I don't know safer there from Israeli Nazi hunters or further away from the public eye or something that would seem to be a logical argument to me though I think we are not thinking on a grand enough scale. I don't see any reason why it couldn't have been the place or the circumstance where it's both. You know, by the time that you're really seriously beginning to believe in Nazi communities and safe havens throughout the world, I don't know why you couldn't believe the diaspora would wind up in both places. You know, I'm sure not everyone Mm. wanted to make the trip to Antarctica, so some of them remained in South America, where the Israelis would ultimately find them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, hmm, Very interesting. I, um... Is there any particular reason uh, that they chose South America? I'm not particularly well informed us why would they go towards South America and not towards I don't know China or Thailand or whatever well they can't go to China because in China the US government was too busy propping up the Chinese communist government they wanted to be well fair enough but uh most of South America (laughs) was either literally was nominally neutral or functionally neutral you know Hmm. South America did not have any too great a role in World War II, and there was a lot of unsettled land to get lost in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
Well, I think that's uh, pretty much all I have for you today. Um, because I'm pretty much out of questions. Uh, it's a bit of a short one, but then I don't think... I don't know, is there anything else that you would like to uh, talk about concerning space weapons and Nazi diasporas? I would just say for anyone who wants a little bit more serious take on the Nazi diaspora, look up the book Rant Lines by Peter Lavenda, one of my favorite conspiracy field writers. And he actually got his start in amateur Nazi hunting. Huh. So he's had some interesting stuff to say on the matter. For people who want a little bit of fantastical storytelling about this stuff, you know, look up the secret space program. Look up Gary McKinnon's hacks. Look up uh, Operation High Jump. There's no shortage of content about it. And I would just say that generally speaking... Keep an open mind, but never stop thinking critically. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, a very good point. All right. Um, with that, I will have you uh, plug your own plugs, and then um, we will finish this podcast. Okay. Well, first things first, check me out hosting the Gaslight Hour. Uh, we have a Libsyn feed or our feed is hosted on Libsyn. So the gaslighthour.libsyn.com. Find me the final Friday of each month on your timeline earth feed at the Scarlet Thread Society and check out my Twitter profile at TLE pause where I'll have all sorts of other links for you. All right. Sweet. Um, yeah, with that, I uh, would like to tell my listeners that I have a lot more content coming up. Um, so let's see, today is Thursday, this will publish Monday, and then uh, on Saturday I will be talking to uh, Lis Pegistus about the situation in Russia, um, because, uh, well, you both did great work there, but uh, the situation has developed since then, so I think I can uh, stamp some more content out of that. And then Absolutely. he's a great guy to talk to. Yeah, and then this weekend I will also be talking to my co-hosts who have some uh, true crimes to talk it's about. And I'm sick of it, and I'm calling you out, scum! Yeah. 